Hey guys, Laura here. I wanted to invite you to my Authenticity Workshop on Friday, May 24th. The title of this workshop is Authentic Expression and Why It Will Make You Wealthy. And I use the word wealthy not specifically in the traditional sense, although that's true as well, but also holistically wealthy, um, leading to a life of joy, abundance, and expansion. Because when we learn to authentically express, there's nothing more powerful. And once we learn it, and we bring it to our nurse coaching practice, it echoes into over into every other area of our life. So come for this interactive workshop. It's 30 bucks. You need to register. Link will be in the bio. Thank you. Welcome to the Successful Nurse Coach Podcast. On this podcast, Laura and Shelby both board-certified nurse coaches show you how to make as much money as you want in private practice as a nurse coach. Welcome to the Successful Nurse Coach Podcast. Today, it's me, Laura, and I am solo and super, super excited to be here with you in your ear wherever you are today to talk about something I love to talk about, which is money and money consciousness, uh, money mindset, lots of words for it. And I'm gonna do it kind of interesting today. Instead of just teaching or giving you information, I have a few questions that I've been asked by clients and friends and even my husband. And I'm gonna answer it like someone else is interviewing me right now. And then also weave in a lot of the teachings and places where I've learned to change my relationship and idea about money. So the question that I've been asked is, what have been your biggest lessons around money and money consciousness? And to be quite honest with you, I didn't really think I had any money issues when I first started my business. I, at that point, wasn't in much debt. My husband had a great job. I was, I had a great job. I just figured we were doing what people do. We both had good jobs. We were saving for retirement. We owned a home. Uh, we were going to take a vacation a few times a year. We were trying to save a little bit of money for my kids to go to college. And that was it. You know, we had arrived. That's what's expected. That's what's normal. Uh, very low risk tolerance. No thought of, of risk tolerance. No thought that there could, money could come in any other way than. Um, just going to work. So in some ways it was super one dimensional, but also blissfully ignorant because it was tolerable and we were doing well, we weren't doing bad. Uh, so I, it was really starting my business and having to ask other people to pay me where I came smacked in the face with all of my money stuff. And it came from a lot of different places. I'm still unfurling it and understanding it and upgrading my relationship with, with money consciousness even today. But holy smokes, you guys, I just turned 44 and I usually do an intention post for my birthday. And what's interesting is I didn't even have to do one this year. I just reposted one from four years ago because it was so on point. And it really showed me that it took about four years of a changed mindset for the external circumstances to match it. So that the internal work comes first, 
then the external circumstances begin to match the frequency of our thoughts. And for those of you who might start to roll your eyes and go, oh, is she going to talk about the secret and manifestation and and vibration? Yeah, I am a little bit, but I'm also going to bring some really practical mindset stuff to this conversation. So just a quick background on me and money. I came from a lower class, lower middle class family. I don't feel like we went without, but there was a lot of stress around money. Uh, We shopped on the clearance rack. We had a modest house. We didn't go on a lot of vacations. We didn't have fancy cars. We didn't have fancy anything. I loved thrift store shopping. Um, And my dad had started a business. And then at a very early age, he didn't run it correctly. It hadn't paid taxes. And we lost our house and they went bankrupt. And we moved in with my grandparents. So that was like the first realization that we didn't have enough and it was a cruel world. And uh, I saw my parents in a lot of pain and I saw my mom clean houses and go to school at night to try to create a better life for us. So it wasn't warm and fuzzy. The world was cold. You had to work really, really hard. Um, That was kind of my early age 12 experience with money and life in general. And um, then my parents kind of worked out of that. My mom got hired as a teacher. She became a teacher in her late 30s or 40s, I believe, probably 40s, um, which I really admire her for. And we had always had things like gone to gymnastics. I was uh, traveling for gymnastics. My parents had so many, um, what's the word I want to use? They sacrificed for us. So I, I, I want to reiterate that we didn't go without. It just wasn't easy. I think my mom cleaned the dance studio and gymnastics studios as their um, janitor um, so that I could go to classes. So I'm very, very grateful for them. Um, but they had an awful relationship with money, a really awful relationship. For my dad, it seemed to burn a hole in his pocket. So when we had some we spent a lot when we had none it was really tough my mom was very stressed about it and my dad talked a lot about people with money in a negative light and i'm going to lead right into one of the mindset blocks that really blocked me in my early stages of business is i had such a hard time asking people for money I really, really did. It was very hard for me. I've I've said this over and over again, but it wasn't as hard for Shelby. I really admired that about her. But for me, it almost made me sick to ask people for money. And and to be honest, it 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 there was an element of that for the first year and a half. Um, I remember very clearly the sickening feeling of asking someone to give me their credit card when they were sitting across from me trying to pay me for my coaching. And that made me so uncomfortable. I just told them I'd email them a, an invoice, which then they didn't pay because they went home and their wife talked them out of it. So again, this is uh, coming from a place of really humility and, and openness about my journey with money. So our subconscious will not let us become something that we hate. And if you subconsciously hate people with money or hate wealthy people or don't like wealthy people or have stories about wealthy people or don't know any wealthy people, um, your subconscious is not going to let you be wealthy. And maybe being wealthy isn't your goal right now. It wasn't my goal four years ago. 
But as my evolution of money consciousness has evolved over time, of course I want to be wealthy. I want my children to be wealthy. I want my clients to be wealthy. I want every good human on the planet who desires to be wealthy to be wealthy. Money is wonderful and worth having. It's a beautiful, beautiful, renewable resource that's infinite. It's not finite. And so I have a different relationship with wealth now. But my dad would say things like wealthy people are assholes or greedy or basically if you've made it in the world, there's some element of larceny or theft in you. There's a, a you don't have good character. You don't have good morals. Uh, we certainly don't associate with them, them being the wealthy, us being the struggling lower middle class. So there was a huge us versus them. And I watched my dad bond and my mom bond with other people talking about how hard it was to live. Oh, gas prices are so expensive. This is crazy. Inflation is crazy. Everything's so bad. It's really houses are raising. No one can afford anything. This mindset, this is what I grew up in. So it's really interesting when you start a business, how you come just, you have to have a come to Jesus moment with your belief in what wealth is and what money is and that having it is okay or not okay. But I want you guys to, to take this away that your subconscious will not let you become something that you hate. I remember crying in one of my business coaching calls the first time. You know, in a group of eight, it takes a little bit of time to let the walls come down. And that was the first day that I really let my colleagues see me. And I started to cry because I had done powerful conversations for weeks. And I was attracting in people who were very, very poor. I was attracting in people who needed my help, but literally couldn't pay their rent. I was attracting in people who were twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 in debt and just trying to make enough money to pay the interest on their debt. And after like five or six times of spending two hours of my time serving people that at that time I truly believed couldn't afford to hire me to help them, I started to think about how do I attract people that do have the resources to, fa- to pay my fee? And my fee wasn't that much at that time. And that's when I started to realize, but I don't even like those people. I don't like people that can afford my service. I don't relate to them. And I cried on the call and I said to my coach, Christina, Christina, I don't even like people with money. They're rude. They're hard to get to know. They're arrogant. And she said to me, Laura, I made $137,000 or $375,000 last year. Uh, Do you dislike me? And I was like, well, no. And it was evident in that moment that there was some stuff that I needed to unpack. And um, it really was this belief that wealthy people are bad. And I couldn't allow myself to be something that I hated or I disliked. The other really interesting mindset thing that can get in the way is that this belief that money isn't infinite, that there's a finite amount of money in the world. Now, very logical people will say, well, this is true, Laura. Like, how many US dollars are printed? How much money is in circulation? That is all that we have. I don't subscribe to that. I believe that money is, and I'll get into this in a little bit, money is is not finite, it is infinite. So the belief that if you have a lot, that means somebody else, you're taking from somebody else. 
And if you're altruistic, which most nurse coaches are, we didn't get into this to become billionaires. We got into this to help people and make a decent living. That if we begin to nail it in our business and make a lot of money in our business, that somehow, somewhere, somebody else is going without. So there's a fundamental belief there. If money is finite, then if I have a lot, then someone else has a little. And it can bring up ideas of worthiness. So really check in and see, do you believe that money is finite or infinite? The truth, my truth is that it is infinite. We can create it. And and I'm going to get in more to that towards the end of this podcast. So notice if money burns holes in your pocket, if having a bigger balance in your bank account makes you uncomfortable, because if money is energy, let's just call it that for this moment, if money is energy, then we have specific abilities or capacities to hold a certain amount. And if you've never had money, like I had never really had money, I did not have the capacity to hold it. So therefore, if there was ever an excess, it made me very uncomfortable. And I would manifest all sorts of emergencies for it to go to. Um, Another aspect of money mindset that I see is huge with my clients and, and then it was for myself. Oh, is the fear of not belonging. Like I said earlier, a lot of us bond over scarcity. There's a, you know, if we all complain about how expensive everything is, that means that we're in some kind of a tribe that we belong to of people who are suffering. And in some religious contexts, suffering is more noble than not suffering. So maybe there's part of us that thinks that that's where we're supposed to be. It's a really dangerous mindset to have in business. Deep down, you may feel that you are violating a tribal rule if you become financially successful. If your family never had money, if your friends don't have a lot of money, if your colleagues don't have a lot of money and you begin to earn higher amounts of money, subconsciously you will self-sabotage it so that you are not ostracized from the tribe. There's the part of the brain, the part of us that is deeply concerned with how other people see us, And if we're accepted, is the part of the brain that wants to survive. And we used to only survive if we were in a tribe. That's not necessarily the case anymore. I do think it's really important to have a close community of people that love you and and have community. But we can still eat and live and survive. We're not going to die if someone doesn't like us. We're not going to die if we earn more. But our brain may not know that. More often than not, if your success makes somebody in your world uncomfortable, um, it's their stuff. And the people who truly care about you, even if they initially don't seem excited for you, will be very truly happy for you as you have success. You have to decide if you want to stay this, in the status quo, like I shared about earlier which is there's nothing wrong with that, but there's also nothing wrong with wanting more. And I think the entrepreneurial spirit, a lot of the reasons that we get into this is once we're in this and we figure out how to make money, which is a very teachable skill. Anybody listening to this can make money in coaching. 
anybody listening to this can make money in coaching. I don't know how long it will take you, but you can. And honestly, you should if you're called to help people. So after you get into this and you begin to learn to make money and you begin to realize that mindset's everything, then you begin to dream a little bit bigger and you begin to see more things that are possible. You begin to not feel guilty or strange when your bank account has $50,000 in it. You begin to be able to give more, to donate more, to tithe more. It's a really beautiful relationship that we can have with money. We can partner with money to do wonderful, wonderful things on earth. And I think that the broke healer archetype is old, tired, and crumbling. I'm tired of it. We have so many examples of wealth that is not doing good in the world. And we've got all these healers that through their own mindset and their own self-fulfilling prophecies are always struggling, can barely keep their doors open. It's just not the way it should be. I think that healers need to be resourced, extremely resourced, so we can make big impact and change healthcare and ultimately the world. Your money mindset can change the world. Let me, let me link that to your bigger vision. As an entrepreneur, if you do not have a good money mindset, you're get, this is going to be the, the place that you get stuck. It definitely was for me. So I want to talk about another little path that I went on. And this was from my session with Steve Hardison. He gave me the book, How to Solve All Your Money Problems by Victor Bach. And I honestly think this book is the, the OG of manifestation. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful book. I read it immediately, began practicing it and began having re- external results immediately. That's how powerful it was for me. And I think everybody listening to this, if you haven't read the book, all of our clients get this book, we send it to them. If you haven't read the book, buy the book, read the book, decide to believe the book, um, and it can and will change your relationship with money. But one of the questions is, and we're gonna do this in my money mind, my money consciousness workshop this week, is really figuring out what your definition of money is. Like if I asked you right now, what is money? Like what do you, what do you think it is? What comes to mind? I did this for a, a circle of women at a yoga studio recently in my new town. And immediately one of them said, when I said, what is money? Write down the first thing that comes to mind. And she wrote down the root of all evil. And then she was astounded. It's like, no wonder I can't make any or keep any or have any because I believe that it's evil. So just notice what your definition is of it. And I'm going to just tell you some common ways that money is perceived. This is all borrowed from the book. This is not my words. So I just don't want to take credit over the, the language that is used. But common ways that money is perceived is security. Money is a layer of protection that separates you from a cruel and uncaring world. If you have a large amount of money in the bank and a stable career, you have security. Isn't that what we've been sold? Isn't that why we take jobs with retirements for the security? For, we're, we're just preached security, 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 security. Almost like a mantra. And the entrepreneur foregoes that more conventional belief around security. 
And it's really bullshit because there is no security. You can be laid off. Things can happen. Life can happen. Very rarely does somebody graduate from high school, have a job, stay in that job forever, and then live happily ever after off their retirement. There are things that happen all the time. But just notice that when you think about money as security, where else is this theme of security holding you back? If you have a large amount of money in the bank and a stable career, you have security. You battle unpleasant feelings like worry and loneliness. To a greater or lesser degree, you can control others and get from them what you want. With money, if something goes wrong, you can pay an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, a therapist. So money really is security, right? Some of that's true. When you get sick, it's really nice to have enough money to hire a functional medicine doctor or a naturopathic doctor. In my opinion, most of the ways that chronic illness gets solved is through lifestyle and through cash payments. The providers that heal us, insurance doesn't cover normally. So yes, it is nice to have some money. That is some security there for your health. If someone threatens you and you need a lawyer, it's nice to have money to pay for that. It's, I recently just had two cars break down. <laughs> two, unexpectedly. One still in the shop a month later. Um, I was able to buy a new car for me with cash. I was able to go down to a dealership, pick out a car. We decided it was time to get me a new car anyway. And I was able to pay for it cash. That was a beautiful experience. That did feel great because something went wrong and I solved the problem in one weekend without a bunch of thought or, or concern. So I can get on board that maybe money is security, but just notice in your own answers which one of these ring true. Many people see money as a problem. You are focused on keeping what you have and worried about how to get more. And it's really interesting because it, in having more money myself and earning more money myself and finding these thoughts that come up as they come up of, oh, this is great, but it's going to go away. Like, where does that voice come from? Don't get too excited because it's just, just a moment of time. Um, it's really interesting with every level of of money consciousness that you have with every level of external circumstances you have, whether you're extremely resourced, whether you're struggling right in this moment, they all have their, their own set of struggles and thoughts that we get to come face to face with and work through. The viewpoint of a problem, even though it's prevalent or common, is not accurate. Money by its nature is not problematic. Defining money as a problem makes it one. So in, in this, you're really shown that if you did like this woman who said money is the root of all evil. Money is evil for her. That is true for her because her thoughts and her words create her reality. So yes, for her, money is evil with that, that very deep programming running in the background. It's really hard to attract wealth if you've got some deep-seated viruses on your mind software about money like I did. Another really common definition of money is that it's power. In our society, people with money appear to command respect, loyalty, and compliance. Okay, so money might be power. And, and the example that I use here is Bill Gates. So Bill Gates was voted one of the best doctors in the world because his name is associated with so many health-related things. This is the world. The world has now decided that Bill Gates is a doctor even though he's never had any medical training. And that is just because the amount of money that he's pumped into marketing and foundations and things 
that have to do with health. He has no degree. People with money carry an aura of an independence. They can do what they want, when they want, and with whom they want. From this perspective, everything carries a price tag. The person with money commands the power to affect others. I think we see a lot of very negative examples of this, of power, in politics, um, in media. But also, if money is power, and you are a good, integrous, amazing healer, is it okay to be a powerful, good, integrous healer? Could you use your power for good? Yes. So I do agree that money can be power. What a beautiful way to define it when it's defined with the right intention and integrity. Money is also defined as a promise. When you use money as a means of exchange, you make an implicit agreement regarding the values and customs surrounding that money. In this sense, money is a promise that there exists something of value to follow in the wake of coin or paper. That's kind of beautiful. That is kind of beautiful. I've heard of people paying off their debt and instead of making it feel bad, like debt is bad, um, they're making payments on blessings already received. Isn't that nice? I love that. If you are in debt and you're paying off debt, whether it be student loans, credit card, whatever it is, and every time you make that payment, there it's a negative experience that you have. I know I did. I was in debt for years. I went bankrupt at age 23. Um, and I remember just paying interest and thinking, this is, this is awful. I'm working so hard and I'm just barely pa- uh, have my head above water. And another way I could have looked at it at that time is that I was paying for blessings already received. So for those of you in debt, try that one on. See if that one integrates well into your, um, into your consciousness. This is a really popular one, and and this is the one I I resonated with before I really dug into the money consciousness, is that money is energy. Money influences, to some extent, all interactions in our society. Money is intimately linked to who you are and what you do. Truth is, when you deal with money, you are dealing with energy. From this perspective, money can be thought of as a measure of your applied life force. I've also heard money be defined as an amplifier. And so money is neither good nor bad energy. It just is energy. So we see bad examples of this with bad energy and lots of money. I'm thinking of like pharmaceutical companies right now, that the amount of power and reach that they have into every industry, into all of our marketing is is probably the the biggest example we can look at. I know for nurse coaches, this is huge. However... When you have a really good heart, when you want to do really good things, there are examples of this too, of of actual fantastic philanthropy. Uh, Money is energy. It's an amplifier. So if you have negative feelings, it's going to amplify negative feelings. If you have positive feelings, it's going to amplify positive feelings. Um, You only have so much time to be alive and functioning as a member of society And there's only a certain amount of hours that you have on earth, all of us. And when you do whatever you do to earn money, you're trading a portion of your allotted time. You're giving your hours away. 
your hours on earth are finite. However, there are lots of ways to have energy flow to you that do not require hours. Your reserve of energy could be your money, could be your savings. There's lots of ways to look at this. And the amount of money you have reflects the amount of energy you have stockpiled in your corner. However, money doesn't like to be stockpiled either. Money likes to flow. And in this moment, think about what your original definition of money is and just check in and see, has it changed since you've listened to me talk? And here's the kicker. Here's the fun part. It doesn't really matter what your definition of money is. So you might as well define it as something that feels in integrity and good to you, something that you really enjoy talking about. Create a definition that feels the most true for you in a very positive sense. And that can be your definition and that's fine because the truth is it doesn't really matter what your definition of money is. It doesn't really matter. Money, whatever it is defined in a thousand ways is something we can't truly describe what it is and all agree on it because everybody has a different definition. But if it's something, that means that the laws of physics affect it. Every something has laws that affect it. Let me make the example of gravity. And I've done, I've, forgive me for those of you who know me and have heard me say this, because I say the same things over and over again, because it's how my brain works. But gravity is something that affects us all the time, no matter what. If we don't believe in gravity and we drop an apple, the apple's going to drop to the ground. So it doesn't really matter if we understand how gravity works, or it doesn't really matter if we understand um, or believe in gravity, it's going to affect us. Um, and actually, that's not 100% true because there's probably a little mystical things and miracles and things outside of, of normal physics that occur. So I'll, I'll c- definitely concede that that's not the case all the time. But with money, there is something that affects it. And once you understand the physics of money, once you understand it, truly, there is a template in how to make sure that it's positively flowing into your life all the time. There are attractive forces that attract money to flow to you and through you. And there are repellent forces that block money from coming to you. Some of the repellent forces are are those two mindset blocks that I talked about before, the three. Those three being, you don't like wealthy people, so your subconscious won't let you become something that you hate. You're afraid of being ostracized because the people around you don't have money, so you subconsciously never apply yourself or think outside the box to have more so that you can be part of the group and complain about gas prices. And uh, the third one is, I totally forgot what the third one is. Go back and listen to it. I know there's a third one that I said. I'll probably remember it in a second. It's the beauty of doing these things on the fly. So we have those three mindset things that I mentioned before and lots of other ones as well. And those are repellent forces. And those can be really deeply embedded in us. And like I said, unless you're an entrepreneur, you might not have had to like deal with this because you have your job and you don't think about money much. Um, And then there's the attractive forces. And the attractive forces have to do with your actions, your thoughts, your intentions, and your beliefs. Okay? And in the book, how to solve all your money's problems forever. He likes to use affirmations. 
And he has you write 10 affirmations down in the morning. Then you say them out loud to yourself in the middle of the day. And then you read them again at night. So three times a day, these things are consciously, are constantly in your consciousness. This is where vision boards are awesome. And if you have something on your wall that you're reading every day, or you hear, have something in your ear that you're hearing every day, or you're hearing yourself say something out loud every day, or your hand is writing something every day, over time, it changes your vibration. It does. Absolutely. And he really talks you through how to do some of these. One of my biggest uh, dreams that seemed crazy at the time, this is when I lived in California, is I really wanted a, a, a Lake Tahoe cabin. And I mean, to be honest, those were going to be $2 million. I didn't know how we, we would ever buy a $2 million vacation cabin. At that point, I hadn't thought about it being a, a, a Verbo or an Airbnb. I hadn't thought about it like a business. And I've always had pictures of cabins and thought of cabins and, and really wanted a cabin, primarily so that my family and friends could all be with me in one spot that was big enough to hold us all. And Evan and I bought our first Airbnb cabin once we got to Tennessee and the Smokies. We made that a reality. That wouldn't have been a possibility four years ago with the thoughts that I had. So through changing my thoughts, it created circumstances, which then created opportunities, which then allowed me to take a risk, which then paid off. So having these like 10 affirmations about money down, they all need to be positive. They can't be negative. And I'm going to refer you to the book to really learn how to do those. The other is giving. And Victor Bach recommends giving one to 3% of everything that come, every ounce of revenue that comes into you and to do it pretty quickly. So not to stockpile it. So to keep the, the hose open, if I'm making $50,000 a month coming into me, then I need to give 500 to, I think it's 500. That would be 1%. 500 to 1500 a month away, I believe. I hope I did my math right. So as if you're getting paid weekly, and let's say for round numbers, you get paid $1,000 a week, then you are giving $10 away that week. Or perhaps you're giving um, $30 away that week. But he believes that it needs to be between 1% and 3%. Of course, as you earn more, or if you want to, you can give more. We give a little bit more than that. Um, but just being aware of where you can let money flow through you. One of the most beautiful things that I did um, early on, and this is a really great story, is I began always paying for the people behind me at Starbucks. And I know this is not like, that's not super noble and there's charities that deserve more, but it made me feel really good and it made me not graspy. And I used to have a lot of thoughts about spending money on fancy coffee in a drive-thru. And I don't go through the drive-thru very often. So the few times a month that I would choose to go through Starbucks, I'd get the kids a hot chocolate to split and I'd get me something. This was kind of like a treat. I would always pay for the people behind me. And I remember one day I was grumpy and we were at home and I think it was my son who said, mommy, we should go to Starbucks and pay for the people behind us so that you feel better. And I mean, I think he was five. So he observed me from the back seat in his car seat, look and feel different when I gave especially when we could get away and not let the people thank us. Anytime you're starting to feel really scared about money, give some away. That is basically doubling down on your faith and money responds to that. 
It just does. Those are the ways that you attract money to you. There's more, more other ways. And then we work simultaneously on any limiting beliefs that we have around money, all the repellent factors that we have. One of the real sneaky ones in my household, and I'm going to finish up here. One of the really sneaky ones in my household is saying that something's expensive. I just don't think that's a good word to use when you're working on your money mindset because that implies that it's too much. There's an, and there's an implication there. There's a lack there. It doesn't leave the right taste in my mouth. It's not the right frequency for the current place that my family is in. We're choosing to be, and my husband will correct me. So instead of saying something's too expensive, I don't want that, say, mm, how much does it cost? Mm, that doesn't feel in alignment. I watch Shelby do this really beautifully. Um, we're just about to hire a new business strategist, and um, I think it's going to be $75,000. So it's, it's the most we've paid for for any uh, mentorship or support. I think we're going to pull the trigger this week, TBD, I'll let you guys know. And it's interesting because I knew when I told her that price tag, because I, I reached out to the, the guy, I got I finally got the, the logistics, I shared it with her yesterday. And I knew what she was going to say. She goes, oh, that's not bad at all. And that's really her answer to anything when it comes to investing in our business. And to be honest, that's my answer to anything when it's aligned. When I feel it in my body, when I know it to be the right next action, it doesn't really matter the price tag to me. It's aligned and I, and my first, my brain's first response is, oh, that's not that bad. What a deal. That's fantastic. Let's do this. As opposed to, oh my gosh, that's so much money. There's so many other things we could do with that money. Oh my gosh. And, and that scared, that place, like I can't give that much away. I can't let that much go. Um, that's something we've really worked with over time. So really notice your language with your children, with your partner, um, and see if you can use the language that that's not a line instead of that's too expensive. One of the last questions that I get from people is, what do you do when your partner has the worst money mindset? And I feel for you. I really, really do. It can be really, really difficult. And part of my struggle in the beginning of my business was my husband's mindset with money because while we were good, while he had a great paying job, we didn't have any debt, we owned a home, we had retirement, we checked all the, on paper, we looked fantastic. He was so concerned about spending money, so worried about saving money, um, not in, in, in a way that wasn't healthy and it was uh, stressful. And that was a huge thing I kept bumping up against. And through couples coaching, we worked through some of that. And when I finally told him that his mindset around money was holding us, our whole family back, and would he be interested in changing it? He was open to it. So for those of you who have partners who just aren't there yet, lead, just start. Start without them, invite them in. Be explicit about how their mindset affects you. Um, a power couple can change their beliefs together and not in a way that, hey, I'm going to leave you if you don't or you're wrong and I'm right, but like a really loving way. Like, hey, there's a better way we can do this. I'm learning a better way. Like, come with me. Let's do this. And uh, him and I are constantly uh, auditing each other's language and and. It just 
playing with the, the concepts a little bit, giving more, um, you know, he'll say something like, I'm going to, can we get this tab for dinner? It's like, yes, we can and we should. And what a beautiful opportunity for us to give. And I love that. And it's not because we want to be cool or we want the people we're going out to dinner with to think we have money. It's like not for that. It's just like we can and we should and it feels really good to do. And so we really build on each other with that. All right, team. Well, we do have a money consciousness workshop. It's going to be coming um, coming up this week, but by the time this airs, it will already be in our workshop bank. That will be included in both of our programs. This is the second one we've done. It's just a different iteration, slightly different, adding some things in with lots of coaching. And uh, for those of you who are starting businesses and don't have coaches and know that your money mindset needs work, uh, read the book. Find a mentor, find someone who is more evolved than you in their money mindset to to help you through limbic resonance change faster. It's fantastic. Um, It really only takes people saying a few times, like, of course you can, or of course you should charge 3000. That's, you're worth that. That's so much more valuable than you trying to do the work inside your brain alone, especially if you're up against partners with, with bad money mindsets. So we welcome you into our community. We, at this point, will be full for the year for mentorship, but we'll be opening up enrollment for the mentorship in January. If you hear this, you already know you want to join March, we will enroll you. I I think that March is probably going to sell out pretty quickly because right now we have more demand than we have spaces, which is beautiful. It just means that nurse coaching is growing. Um, Our clients this year, we're tracking the revenue. We think they're going to hit a million dollars. And these are, we have six year two clients and the rest of all of our clients are in their first freaking year of business. So we have a million dollars in revenue that nurse coaches have earned proof that it, yes, you can earn as a, as a nurse coach. You can earn well as a nurse coach if you decide to and come hang out with us in our free Facebook community. We would love to see you there and have a wonderful, abundant, beautiful Monday.